0: Available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles. Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC. We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everybody, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site of the Scout.com network.
1: And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCfootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network. And we are the Podcast of Champions talking about Pac-12 football. We're going to do a little signing day recap show. But if you have any questions for us, comments, you can tweet us at Pac-12 Podcast. You can email us, Pac-12 Podcast at gmail.com. Our website is always packedfulpodcast.com and our voicemail number, which is getting kind of cobwebby here right now, Dave, uh, 641 extension seven, three, four, nine, seven, two, A lot of ways to get a hold of us uh, here on the podcast of champions.
0: Yeah. And I, has anybody given us a good idea for what we should do in one of these podcasts yet?
1: I don't think so. I think we got, uh, we got a couple questions in the, in the, email box, but I don't think there were any kind of like, hey, here's a bunch of topics you guys can discuss.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I'm i disappointed in everyone. I, <laughs> I just want that out there. Um, but we're going to fight through it. We're going to try to come up with stuff with our own non-creative brains, but uh, I'm disappointed.
1: You know, the uh, it's funny. I saw our, our good friend Angie Machado, who is the uh, publisher of uh, Beaver Blitz, um, tweet about spring ball starting. I think for them it starts like really soon like it's in february so we'll probably be talking spring football yeah, here before think, we know it.
0: i think it starts this week right is it really that quickly oh my god i want to say you tweeted it last week and it said next week and i think that means that that's this week
1: yeah <laughs> and it's already thursday so who knows it might have even started um yeah maybe maybe we'll have you know, each publisher, like two publishers on a week or something. We do apologize. We haven't had a show for a couple weeks since, uh, pre-signing day, but it gets a little crazy for us in our, in our line of work, uh, around signing day. A little crazy. And then it's
0: time for a little vacation. Time for a little, little siesta, so to speak. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, just, I, 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 looked it up on the Twitters. Uh, Oregon State starts spring football tomorrow. Wow. Tomorrow. And, uh, we are recording this on Thursday, so by tomorrow, we mean Friday, February 17th. Dang. That um, is early.
1: Well, we'll. That, let, you know what I'll do, Dave? I'll, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I'll mean, i send out an email to all of the publishers and kind of get their thoughts of yeah. who's starting when, and maybe we'll have like two publishers on at a time to talk spring football. That Maybe it's just beginning. By the time we get to some of them, maybe it's at the end of spring football or whatever, but. Uh, but that means we might have to be committed to a show a week. Can we do that?
0: Yeah, I think we can do that. I, I think know. we can handle. It. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like how I like how strong we were committed to that. Like at the end of the football season, we're like, going to do this every week. I think we've done three since the end of the season. Uh,
1: yeah, probably not as many as we would have liked. Um, but send us more questions. Hey, so and if you know your team, your spring football starting soon. You have any questions? Especially if you're your Oregon State fan. Send some questions in. We'll have Angie, uh, discuss them. Any topics you want to discuss, we'll, uh, we'll do that. Perfect. And then today we wanted to kind of recap signing day for, yeah. you know, for the Pac 12, which is cool. We had Brandon Huffman, who's, you know, amaze balls. We had him on a little before signing day mm-hmm. and we're lucky enough, Dave, to have another amaze balls analyst out here on the West Coast. We'll have on today.
0: Yeah. We're going to have uh, Mr. Greg Biggins, so we'll be joined by him shortly.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to get Greg's thoughts on everything. I mean, he's he's all up and down the West Coast. He knows everything that's going on with recruiting, you know, based here in Southern California, but knows a lot. So I think it'll be neat to see what he has to say about uh, all the recruiting classes, Dave, because I think the Pac-12 overall did pretty well.
0: Yeah, and we'll hopefully uh, have some time to uh, go over maybe a little bit of what looks like uh, the 2018 class and maybe some prospects to uh, watch for all the Pac-12 teams.
1: So much to cover, and we're really excited to have Greg Biggins on to do all of that.
0: All right, now we're very excited to welcome Greg Biggins back to the podcast. He was once on it before, no no doubt about that. Uh, National Recruiting Analyst Greg Biggins from whatever this conglomerate is going to be called, but we'll call it Scout.com for now. <laughs> How are you, Greg? I'm pretty
2: good. How are you? Sorry if I'm distracted, but... There's all kinds of stuff going on right now, fellas. So, yeah, I'm good. I'm very good.
1: Should we look at the Twitters? Is there, like, crazy stuff going on, Greg?
2: You know, just, you know, this is one of those days where about 25 kids get offered. So, the phone is blowing up. You guys want hot off the presses? Is this going to go live? I want it right now. Right now. Julius Irving... Not to be confused with Dr. J, but the Servite DB, who's kind of a stud, just signed an offer from UCLA. Woody, there you go, Julius Servi, right. Servite High School. Hey, right. look at that!
1: So, th- is brilliant. this is this what your like? Your life is like during this kind of time when a lot of offers are going out? Your your phone's just buzzing, going crazy.
2: Pretty much, pretty much. It's all good though. It's better than wearing a suit and tie and sitting behind a desk, though, right? Yeah, for sure. Yes. Um. Well, great, we wanted to talk about the, uh,
1: you know, we, we talked with Huffman before, uh, sign day, kind of each team, but we thought we'd go through each team and kind of maybe get your highlights of of everybody in their class, or not, not highlights of everybody, just kind of some highlights of what you thought they did well and maybe where they missed a little bit on with some of these teams. Let's do it. All right, so we're going to go. Lead
2: me, Lead me, guys.
1: Yeah, reverse Directly. order.
2: Help me help you. Help me help you
1: yes reverse order we're gonna go so the number 66th ranked uh class in the country according to scout.com was the
0: california golden bears (laughs) So cal was sweet (laughs) cal finished last in the fact 12 uh just 15 commitments um it was shaping up to not be very good heading into signing day and it really didn't end up very good from an overall standpoint um Obviously, they had a huge coaching turnover uh, in January, which is such a shock. But uh, how do you feel they did, uh, given the circumstances? How do you feel that did, that staff did closing, and maybe who are a couple of highlights for you in this class?
2: Yeah, I mean they they did okay. I think the best way to to describe it, they did okay. Obviously, you know one of the biggest stories of the year was Elijah Hicks committing to Cal without a head coach. And this is a guy who. You know, had was coveted by both UCLA and USC. He was a longtime Notre Dame commitment, took a visit to Michigan, a lot of buzz that he might flip to Michigan, and lo and behold, ends up committing to Cal. Um, this was prior to them naming a coach. so That was something you don't see very often, but location-wise was, was big for them, and they loved the education over there. So I'm a big Elijah Hicks fan. I think he's extremely good. Uh, I, I like Brendan Smith a lot. I think he's uh, an athletic kid that can really run. Um, they were able to flip Ben Moose, a pretty good-looking tight end, um, who had previously committed to Washington State. Uh, Michael Safel was one of the top two or three centers out west, big kid from Edison High School. Uh, Biagio Ali Walsh, you might have heard of his grandfather, Muhammad Ali, was pretty good at his sport, the greatest, right? Goat. Um, Ali Walsh can definitely run. You know, he's an athletic kid. He's a legitimate 10, six 10 100-meter guy. Chase Garbers, I, I think, is a solid quarterback uh i've always liked Tariq johnson tight end hybrid slash big receiver so you look i mean look at the guys they sign yeah small class but when you kind of go down the list almost all these guys are, are players that we you know we would look back and say you know what, that guy can play that guy can help help cal out a couple of years so may have been last in the fact 12 but overall still a pretty good, good group of kids
1: any buzz from justin wilcox about justin wilcox on the recruiting trail
2: um, you know, Justin, I I don't think he was there enough uh to create, you know, a, a lot of buzz. I think some of his assistant coaches, though, um, I think I think it's gonna be good. You know, I think Justin, you know, he's he's been at SE, he's coached under Sark, he understands what it takes to be an aggressive recruiter grind. Um, you know, here's a guy who. You know he gets it. He was in the SEC for a little while, and and so I, I think he's going to be an aggressive guy. I think he's going to have a staff that's going to that's going to really get after it. So I think moving forward, I think this year, I think we'll see Cal be a lot more aggressive, and I think you'll hear Wilcox will, will be a pretty hands-on recruiter in terms of a head coach. Uh, you know, I looking at the Pac-12, I think Clay Helton, coach, you know, Chris Peterson, those are two head coaches that you hear the kids mention a lot. And I think you'll hear Justin Wilcox. I think you'll see a lot of kids mention him personally. I think he's going to get personally involved. And he already has talked to a couple of kids. You know, they just, um, you know, they just offered uh, Javon Holland yesterday. And I said, hey, who offered? He goes, you know, and he said Justin Wilcox. So I think you'll hear him, you know, a lot more prevalent this year.
1: Oh, interesting. Should we move on, Dave?
2: Yeah, let's move on to Arizona.
1: Yeah, I wasn't sure. Okay,
2: so next up.
1: Arizona Wildcats.
0: (laughs) Wow. All right, so Arizona finished with 25 commitments, so a pretty full class uh, for the Wildcats. Um, kind of a down year for them, um, but still finishing with 25 guys. Got to be some diamonds in that rough. Uh, who do you like in uh, Arizona's class? I mean, really good linebacker
2: class, to be honest with you. Um, Colin Schooler from Mission Viejo High School was one of my big sleepers all year long. This is a guy who I thought should have had 10 to 15 offers and for whatever reason, U of A was his only real Pac twelve offer. So I think this guy can can really play. I also like Anthony Pandy a lot from Narbonne High School. Again, I think he could play for anybody. You know, when I say anybody, I mean I think this is a a USC UCLA level level player. Anthony Pandy, like the coaches at Narbonne, um, you know, they feel he's as good as they've had. And you look at, you know, both USC and Washington, you know have linebackers starting from Narbonne, they said, hey, this guy at the same stage is better. Uh, Mike King Johnson, one of the top defensive ends, he's an in-state guy. Uh, that was a good get there. Tony Wallace, um, a cornerback from Desert Pines, he was a kid that was being looked at by several schools. Notre Dame uh, was pressing him pretty good. Uh, so, you know, I think what hurt Arizona was, you know, they had some defections. Um, they had some guys that, uh, you know, committed and then backed out. So that hurts him a little bit. But, I mean, overall, you know, I, I kind of like the guys they brought in. Brian Castile, another kid I like. You know, just a football player. Overall, Nathan Tilford, you know, they, they got some guys. They got some guys that can play for sure.
1: Uh, where do you think Nathan, Nathan uh, Tilford is going to play for the Wildcats? He's a, listed as an athlete, the highest-ranked player uh, that they signed with Arizona. Where do you think he's going to fit in?
2: Yeah, I mean, they're saying running back. You know, I, I've always kind of liked him. Um as a defensive guy myself, um, but they like him as a running back, downhill, between the tackle guy. Um, so, you know, honestly, I think that's a good spot for him too. So, um, yeah, I, I think right now he'll start off at running back, and, you know, I think he's got a chance to be good. I mean, he's, he's a big physical – I mean, the guy had a man body at eighth grade. And yeah. you heard that, you go, so he's already physically developed. Yeah, yeah, maybe you can say that, but, I mean, the guy can play. For sure. So uh, big, big senior season last year at Colony High School, and I think they're expecting him to come in and play right now. All right,
0: he's one of those those prospects who uh, you, you just you, you start following him in eighth grade because he's super physically developed, and then you're just watching him for five years before he even yep. goes to the college program. <laughs> who do you think you were more familiar with as a prospect, him or Brandon Burton, based on the amount of time you watched both?
2: No, exactly. I mean, those are both kids that we saw as eighth graders. You know, I had a chance to watch Brandon as an eighth grader playing. You know, in Steve Clarkson's TFL, uh, that tackle football league for Pop Warner. Then, you know, Brandon. Oh, excuse me. Um, uh, you know, the uh, shoot. Mind I'm drawing a complete blank right now. Uh, Tilford played for that body by a tray again as an eighth grader. And that was that team that was really, really good and surprised everybody and, and beat B2G. And you know, that was with Stanley Norman and and, and that group of guys. Uh, as an eighth grader, Nathan Tilford was already on that team making plays. So, you know, USC offered him. Uh, before he stepped foot on the high school campus, Lane Kiffin. So I mean, we've been hearing about this guy forever and ever, and you know went you know different schools, Upland High School, then last year at Colony. So I'm really intrigued by him. I, I'm I'm really I I hope he uh, goes out and has a great career for Arizona. You know, good kid, kind of been bounced around a little bit, but he definitely has a lot of upside for sure.
1: All right, we'll move on. Uh, next team on the
0: list: Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> All right, ASU finished with 18 commitments, but a higher star average than Arizona. Um, uh, Some pretty solid guys that I think a lot of people have heard of in this class. Um, One of the most interesting ones is getting Blake Barnett on the, uh, effectively the transfer um, from Alabama. I think he's stopping over Palomar. Um, What do you think he'll bring to the table in this ASU offense? You know, I'm really intrigued
2: by Blake, because obviously none of us have seen him in a couple years. Um, you know, coming out of high school, I, I know he was a guy that was a big, physical, strong athlete. Mechanically, you know, had some issues, you know, long release, needs to tighten that up. But, you know, just a, a high upside guy, just because he was, you know, big, somewhat raw, but just a gamer, a tough guy, a physical kid, strong enough arm, um, very live arm, actually. It was just, you know, Can he come in and can he learn the ASU offense? He's in there you know, right now. He's already enrolled for spring. And I don't know how he figured this, you know, beat the system. Being able to be eligible right now, he should write a book on that. But, (laughs) you know, in terms of, you know, it's not like it's going to be his job to lose. You know, both Manny Wilkins, Brady White had some injuries last year. I think they're banking on Blake. I mean, Blake wouldn't have gone there unless he thought he had a chance to compete right away. So if he can come in, learn the offense and and pick stuff up right away, I I think, you know, I'm really intrigued to see how he's going to do there.
1: Greg, they, uh, typically ASU brings in a bunch of JC guys or, you know, they've, they've done that frequently. Only one, uh, in this class and there's, you know, a bunch of four star guys ranked at the top. Any, any kind of, do you see a change in philosophy of how, uh, you know, Todd Graham's recruiting there and any of the guys at the top that you really like?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I like KJ Jarrell, you know, an in-state safety from Saguaro High School. That's, you know, Saguaro's big time, big time program. You know, Evan Fields um oklahoma i mean that's that was a guy who stock really just skyrocketed in the last month took a lot of visits but asu kind of had been on in the longest you know getting you know benjamin at the army game to commit there, big time physical back you know borderline top 100 kid out of texas alex perry you know bishop gorman we know all about you know alex and how close he is with bubba bolden and how they almost were able to pull him off too so i i think the jc thing is it's you don't want to rely on on bringing in eight or nine JC kids every year. You want to. That's not a really way to, to build your program. You want to if you you know if you have a couple areas that you have a need right now, sure, bring in a couple. But you you don't want to build half your class. Those guys are there, uh, two years at the most. A lot of times, for whatever reason, they just don't pan out. Maybe academically, maybe socially you only want to bring in a handful of those guys at the most. And I think, so I I like what ASU did in terms of focusing more on the high school guys, did a pretty nice job in state. And, uh, you know, overall, you're kind of looking down at their list right now. Um, pretty solid, pretty solid group of kids. Uh, Tyler Johnson, you know, four star tight end out of Highland high school, big time program out there. Uh, I, I think he can definitely help them. Um, they lean heavily at, at Saguaro. I think they signed three or four players from Saguaro high school, which is kind of like our, you know, our St. John Bosco out here, Saguaro and, and uh, you know, Mountain Point, Chandler, those are the big three programs out there in Arizona. So it's a nice nice, nice school to, to kind of develop a pipeline into. And then obviously able to ha- hang on to, to Ryan Kelly. There were some rumors that he might be leaving and going somewhere else. So able to get Ryan Kelly, keep him in the fold, you know, a guy who has some potential, early organ commit, uh, needs to put on some weight, um, get a little stronger, but, uh, you know, a guy that I, I think they like a lot. So I think you know, overall... Not a bad class.
1: All right. uh, We'll move on to the next one. We have
0: Oregon State Beavers. So Oregon State showed some life at the end of the season. Rewarded with a pretty big class. Uh, 25 commitments. Um, It's interesting looking at Oregon State because I think a lot of people are expecting um, recruiting to drop off maybe a little bit with Kalani Satake uh, moving along um, back to BYU. Uh, do you think it did, Greg? And if not, um, who do you think are kind of the big uh, keys in this class? Yeah, they closed with, with a couple of good players
2: right around signing day, a couple days before, you know, Kessie Ahoy, Kahuku High School, you know, Kahuku's big-time uh, program out there in Hawaii. And, and then John Cotton is a player who had early offers from schools like Nebraska, Oregon. It came down to Colorado and Oregon State, but they were able to hang on to him which was very big, you know, Charles Watson, another big, pretty big time safety from Hawaii. Um, so they did some work there. You know, they lost Jameer Calvin, which was one of the more weird commu- commitments or excuse me, recruitments that I've, I've seen in terms of Oregon state at all American game, flips to Nebraska and then goes to Washington on signing day. Um, but overall the receiver class at Oregon state was still able to bring in Isaiah Hodgins, again, a scout 300 kid. I, I, I like, like this guy a lot, Six three, one ninety. 190 athletic body control. Uh, I think he can help him right now. He's an instant impact guy. Jeffrey Manny from Cathedral High School is a big, tall, physical corner slash safety type prospect. So overall, top to bottom, I, I like it. Um, David Morris, outside backer. We upgraded this guy to a, to a four star the week before signing day, uh, 6'3", 205, just a, uh, Again, I keep using this phrase, but he's good enough to play for anybody. I mean, this is a guy that you normally see maybe at Stanford get just you know a tough, active, physical, instinctive kid uh, with a ton of ability. So um, overall, Oregon State pretty solid, not bad at all. I don't, I, I didn't see uh, them be, being hurt too much by by Kalani going to BYU.
1: Gary Anderson obviously it seems like he's you know turning that program around. They did bring in uh, you know a bunch of JCs in this class, but. It, have you heard much buzz about him on the recruiting trail? Does he seem like he's, he's making well-liked. an impact?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well-liked. Um, you know, and, and he has West Coast ties from previous stops, so we kind of expected him to be able to come in there and, and do some good things. So, yeah, I think Gary Anderson is, you know, respected by the coaches, respected by parents, you know, young enough. You know, he's relatable. I think Gary does a nice job recruiting for sure.
1: All right, we'll go
0: up to our next school, it is... Washington State Cougars. All right, Washington State finished with 27 commitments, which I think makes this the second biggest class in the Pac-12, When we'll get to the biggest one in a little bit. Um, one of their late flips or late commitments was Jameer Calvin, uh, who... So walk me through who he was committed to. It was Oregon State. Was he also committed to Nebraska at one point? So committed to Oregon state at the army game.
2: Yeah. And you kind of can tell immediately that that might not stick. Um, then he committed to Nebraska. And if you hear coach Riley talk about it, he committed three different times to Nebraska. Just didn't make it public. <laughs> then a week before <laughs> signing day, there was all kinds of buzz that he wasn't happy with Nebraska and, and, uh, Washington state. He just felt like he fit that system better. You know, it was kind of a Gabe Marks clone and, and that's what Coach Leach was kind of selling. Hey, you know, we got a guy right here who just hit the Pac-12 record for catches. You know, how many times do you feel you'll get the ball at Nebraska? So uh, signing day, again, at that point, still a Nebraska commitment. But he went went ahead and signed with Washington State. Not quite as many schools as Jordan Payton, although mm-hmm. it kind of had that feel where he was committed on signing day and then signed with somebody else. Uh, so hopefully for Jameer, it works out. Obviously, he got killed on social media for – you know, you don't mess with the Nebraska fans on social media. That is one group that you do not <laughs> want to make angry. There's like a million of them. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if Jameer Calvin was worth it for the Cougs. He's got t- he's got some talent. He's got some ability for sure. So hopefully it works out.
1: How about the, uh, the class overall, Greg? Anyone kind of stand out to you? I mean, obviously, Calvin's an elite talent and, uh, you know, an All-American. Who wouldn't want to go play in that kind of a pass-happy offense? But anyone else stand out for you?
2: Yeah, some good JC players, you know, some, some big linemen that they brought in, uh, City College of San Francisco, you know, they signed Robert Valencia, who's, you know, a top 20 Juco player. Um, went into Southern California, Fave, Fave, one of my favorite names from modern day high school outside linebacker. Torres ACL missed the whole senior season, but this guy can really get after it. Josh Talbot also from Long Beach, Poly, is a, you know, pretty good looking safety there. So, you know, you go into Poly, you go into modern day, that, that, that's, those are two pretty nice programs. George Hicks from Cajon High School is a kid I like a lot. Uh, Dante Powell, four-star O-tackle from N state He's got to get qualified. Um, but, I mean, this guy can absolutely go. And he, he's a guy who I think you could potentially see playing as a true freshman. I mean, it's hard to play on the offensive line as a true freshman. But, you know, Dante Powell is very good. And Connor Neville is a four-star in-state quarter—or uh, quarterback from Wilsonville, Oregon. Not in-state, but bordering state. Uh Neville's a guy that we've been watching since he was a freshman, came to some of the Nike camps and, and really threw the ball well. Uh, you know, looks good on film, and it's a lot of a natural ability with Connor too. So overall, you know, Washington State did pretty well.
0: What, uh, what kind of recruiter is Mike Leach? I'm, I'm just interested from a curiosity perspective because he's such a strange guy.
2: So everything oh. you could envision what Mike Leach would be like is exactly true in terms of <laughs> how he's perceived. I, I mean, I, I think – you talk to a player or a coach or a parent who just had a home visit with Mike Leach, and they will say yeah, that guy is really different. And, and that sometimes that kind of that word "different" it kind of just floats out there, and you, can, you could go a lot of different places with that. They said he's, you know, he's genuine and he's honest, as you would expect. You know, he's. I've heard the word "strange" used before. I've heard the word "quirky." Um, very dry sense of humor, where he'll make a joke and no one in the room knows what they should do. You know, do we laugh right now? Do we not laugh? What do we, what do, we do right now? What are we supposed to do with Mike Leach in here right now making making jokes at us? So I, I think, you know what, though? At end of the day, I think he's very effective because people know he's the real deal. And when it comes to recruiting, I mean, kids are, are, aren't dumb. You know, they could they could see through what's <laughs> fake and what's real. And I think with, with Leach, they know 100% he's not going to ever pull any punches and he's going to be 100% real with them. So I think kids like that. And so do parents.
1: I thought you said kids are dumb. I thought
2: no 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 some are but i said for the most part kids are not dumb they can kind of see through who's being a fake and a phony and who's being a youth youth car salesman you'll never ever accuse
0: mike leach of that
1: that's awesome uh all right let's move on to the next team
0: utah all right utah finished with 21 commitments 33 in the country so we're getting closer and closer to the top 25 recruiting class uh one top 100 guys uh one top 100 guy um Looking at this class, um, I think there was some concern, you know, heading into the final days whether they'd retain Jalen Johnson. They did. Um, you know, they they landed Brian Thompson. They landed some guys. What did you think of this class overall?
2: Yeah, heavy JC. You know, signed several, you know, elite JC. I think four or five guys in our in our JUCO 100. Props to our boy Greg Powers for putting that thing together. But um, yeah, so. You know, four or five JC kids. That uh, I'm assuming you you signed a JC kid. That guy's, you know, expecting to come in there and play right now. Getting Jaden Johnson was huge because I've heard I heard so many people are, around him. I kept saying, you know, there's no way Jalen's going to stay with Utah. There's no way he's going to stick with Utah. And sure enough, he he stuck with Utah. They were able to hold on to him. And I think a lot of it was, you know, Coach Shaw out there, you know, does a great job recruiting DBs. Really good recruiter. Great ties uh, from all over California. Getting Javelin Goodry, who's a guy we upgraded to a four star, Vista Murrieta. This guy uh, is the probable, you know, state 100 meter champion this year in the spring. I mean, he's a legitimate 10 3 guy. Uh, you know, dad, Javelin Goodry, uncle Paul Goodry, both play at UCLA back in the day. Uh, so Javelin can, can really run, you know, played against some great competition this past year and looks good, really good on film. Uh, Alakai Vimahai from Kahuku, uh, Kahuku High School. And uh and Hala, excuse me, and I can't talk right now. Kahuku, Hawaii. Um, Alec A is a guy who had early offers from both USC and UC. Like kind of waited a little bit too long maybe. But shoot, Utah, you know, got an absolute steal. This guy I think can play inside or outside depending on how much bigger he gets. And then a big time sleeper for me is Nick Ford from San Pedro High School. Uh, offensive tackle, 6'6", 280, former basketball player. Again, a a natural athlete, a little bit raw right now as a football player, but he's got a lot of potential once he puts it together. Again, it's kind of hard to find those true athletic tackles that can move around like he can to have the frame that he does. Dad played receiver at Cal, but he went ahead and chose Utah. So uh, overall, top to bottom, you know, nice job by Utah. And and you know, you know, they'll be coached up by Winningham and and that staff is going to really maximize the talent there. So overall, nice job for the youths.
1: The uh, the mountain area, do you feel there's more uh, D1 talent coming out of there? And how's Utah doing trying to keep those guys home?
2: That's a great question. I just answered that a week ago. For me, honestly, I, I would almost put Utah. I think in the last three or four years, I think Utah now is on par with any other state out west other than California. I think you used to say Arizona might be number two. But, you know, you have Washington, you have Oregon, you know, a few from Hawaii. But I think Utah might be number two right now for producing not just the best high-end talent, but the most depth. So if you're the Utah staff, you really got to do, uh, you know, your best keeping those big Jay Toffoli-type kids in-state if you can. Obviously, they, they lost Toffoli to, to USC, but, you know, they're really producing. And the 2018 class is loaded for linemen, D-linemen especially. So, you know, if they can do, you know, a good job in terms of keeping those guys, you know, home – build that fence uh, around the school and keep those guys, they got a chance to, to really do damage in the Pac-12 because you know they're going to, again, that staff does a great job of maximizing the talent there. So uh, with the talent coming up, I think you, you know Utah's in a good spot right now.
1: Okay, we'll uh, go on. Speaking of mountains, mountain schools, we'll
0: go to Colorado Buffalo. My one true team. Finished with uh, 28 commitments this year, um, broke into the top half of the Pac-12 in recruiting. Um, So Colorado, if you look at them, I mean, Big 12 roots really showing in this class. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys from Texas in this class, a couple of them four stars. What do you think the national potential of Colorado is in terms of recruiting? Do they have the ability to start generating, you know, because Colorado is not a huge talent base, but to start generating top 15, top 20 classes if they maintain success on the field? Uh, potentially, you know, I, I'm and
2: props to you, Woody, for you were the guy who was kind of on the Colorado bandwagon week three, week four of the season, and they, had, you know, they made you look good. And, you know, for me growing up, I loved Colorado. Bill McCartney and those teams back with Eric Bieniemy and Darren Hagan, Back then, I mean, they were able to do really well in Southern California and also in Texas. I think at that time when, when they were really rolling, you kind of had, you know, both SC and UCLA were, were a little bit down, and they were able to come into Southern California and, and recruit really well. It's <clears throat> kind of a different story right now, at least, with for, you know, for USC. But I think having, you know, top 20 classes, it's pretty ambitious to say that. Uh, but again, you know— why not? It's a beautiful campus. It's it's probably one of my two or three favorite campuses that I've ever been on. I, I've seen a lot, so um, it's a beautiful place. It's a great staff. I think it's an easy sell. It, you know, it's pretty solid, passionate fan base there. There's a lot, really, a lot to sell there, and and they finished up pretty well. You know, Terrence Lang was a guy. You know, you know, I know Ryan obviously knows the story well. You know, USC won the gray shirt. Him, he wasn't really feeling that, so. Uh, decided to go to Colorado. Casey Roddick was a you know longtime cal commit. That was a late flip for Colorado. I, I for me, I think Casey Roddick's a guy to watch out for. Guy's huge. He's 340. Love to see him at 320. But he can move for a big dude. And, and I, I think he's got talent. You kind of you kind of pair him with Jake Moretti, who was an you know Ohio State commitment, said he wanted to stay closer to home. That's a nice, nice little combination. And then you got Jacob Collier, who was one of my favorite defensive ends at St. John Bosco this past year. Uh, you know they got some players they got some tough physical players that kind of fit what they do well probably the best they've done in a long time in state they did a nice job in state not just with you know Moretti but you know John Van Dies is an outside linebacker with with national offers they were able to keep him home um, you know a few other guys you know going into California getting Maurice Bell who had national offers receiver from Murrieta Valley so and Colorado's got a chance. I think they they kind of keep building off of last season. I think they do have a chance to to hopefully, you know, keep this thing rolling cuz I have oh, again my favorite helmets. Um, you know, I I love the Colorado program. So hopefully they hopefully they can build on this.
1: Greg, you know, when you usually the season that you're in, it's kind of helping for recruiting for the next year, but Colorado was such a huge turnaround to win 10 games for for Dave's Colorado, you know, for Dave's Buffs,
0: you know. I wonder team.
1: Yeah, uh, his wonder team. Um, you saw a lot of like b- the bigger names in this class kind of coming on late. Is this a, one of those rare cases where they just turned it around on the field so much that they were able to generate a lot of recruiting buzz for the current year?
2: did. And, and like you said, the rule is always just the year after, right? But I think this year, I, I think and credit the staff, they were already on a, a lot of these guys early. They, I mean, that's a, that's a really good staff they have at Colorado as far as you know recruiting and, and being aggressive. And they lost a couple of them to Oregon, and that's going to hurt them. Um but they did a nice job of getting on these guys early and they were telling kids, Hey, we're close. We're really close. The past couple of years you saw them. They lost a lot of games by not that many points. And obviously the saying is, Hey, you know, bad teams lose close games, but also they were very close and they said, Hey, you know, we're going to turn this thing around. Washington did the same thing. You know, we're close and they did it. So I think that's why they're able to kind of build, so quickly, because they were already on a lot of guys, and I think a lot of the guys are already kind of curious about Colorado before they kind of built this thing up. All right,
1: uh, moving on from Dave's one true team, we have Stanford Cardinal.
0: All right, now we're in the top 25 nationally. Stanford finishing at number 24 with just 14 commitments, Woo. but they finished with the highest star average in the Pac 12. Three five stars, and in fact, three guys in the top six uh, overall prospects, which is insane. God, um, yeah, this class. Uh, who's your favorite guy in this class? Let's let's simplify it because basically every one of these guys you could name is one of your favorites. But who's yeah. your favorite guy in this class?
2: Um, I, I love so many of these guys. I, you know, probably Foster Sorrell, just because not just because he's rated the highest, but for me, one of the better O-linemen. In fact, if I did an all-decade team, he'd be on it. He'd be one of my top – one of my five O-linemen. I think the guy is special. I think he's really, really good. And, and some people feel Walker Little is even better, who we have number four. I look at Davis Mills, and I see a, an Andrew Luck clone in the sense of when you watched Andrew, people always said – you know, they question his, his arm strength out of, out of Stanford, saying, no, he doesn't, really, doesn't have the arm. It's because he never had to throw the ball 100 miles an hour – and that's Davis Mills' same easy throwing motion. If it's a deep ball or if it's, you know, a little wheel route out of the backfield, he throws it the same exact way. So the ball doesn't look like it jumps out. But the guy throws these 60-yard floaters right on the money. He's smart. He's accurate. Those three kids, I think, are, are all, you know, NFL. Don't want to put too much pressure. But they, they look like NFL guys to me in, in a couple years. you know, Osiris St. Brown. I think has a lot of upside. Uh, Connor Weddington is just a stud. And you know what? Obviously, their class won't get rated as high because of the small numbers, but I don't think David Shaw would trade his guys for anybody else's.
1: Hey, Greg, I was up at the opening, and there's so many guys when you're watching those the teams play, but one of them that certainly stood out to me was a tight end, Colby Parkinson. What do you think about him? And, uh seems like he'd be perfect for Stanford.
2: Love, Love him. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, if you want to go to the NFL as a tight end, you go to Stanford, right? And I think you look at the guys that they've produced, whether it was, uh, Toa Loa, whether it was Hooper, um, couple other guys. I think he's the best. I think he's the best, the best out of that whole group coming in at the, at the same stage. Now, obviously people develop later, but coming out of high school, I think Colby is, is the combination of, of all those guys. He's, he's an athlete. At 6'6, 225, he can run. He's got great hands. He's got great body control. Watching, you know, watching him do routes where a lot of guys, you know, be the sideline route and guys who catch the ball and fall out of bounds because they have, you know, the, the body control. He'd catch the ball, stop on a dime up the field. And I mean, talk about I, I hate end zone fades, but I might actually use him in that situation because he is so athletic and has such great body control and such great hands. To me, that's another guy. I'll put him with those other other three guys. I and mean, this is an NFL guy all
0: the way. If he stays healthy.
1: All right. We'll uh, go on to the next one.
0: Washington Huskies. <laughs> all right. Washington playoff team finished in the top 25 in recruiting with 18 commitments. Um one top 100 guy, 10 four stars. Um looking at this class, I know, you know, people talk about like Don James's recruiting strategy when Washington was really good. Basically, lock up Washington and then pick-and-choose guys in California, um, how do you think they're doing on that kind of formula? And is that the same formula they're trying for? I,
2: I think it is. Um, you know, I, I think with Washington, you almost have to start off by, by almost apologizing and say, you know, as good as – because I know Husky fans were, were disappointed that it wasn't a top-10 class. And, you know, it probably could have been. You know, they losing Marley, Marlon Tui, Tui Poloto to USC was huge. It's guy's a top-50 player, great D-tackle lost Connor Whittington to Stanford. And then I think people – they lost – you know, add those three guys to the mix, and all of a sudden your, their class is completely different. But look at the guys who they do have. They got a great wide receiver class. Ty Jones, you know, blew away everybody at the Army game, and and he elevated himself into this, you know, the Scout 300. Uh, you know, you add him to Alex Cook, Terrell Bynum, you know, good-looking DB class, Elijah Molden. For me, very, very good cover corner. A guy who can I think can come in and play right now. Keith Taylor, long, physical. Does he stay at corner? Does he move to safety? I'm not sure. But you know what? He's, he's a pretty good football player. And then And I think Brandon McKinney is a major sleeper. Even though he's a four-star guy, I don't think people know how good this kid is. Uh, you have another kid in-state, Salvon Ahmed, who can play running back or safety or even some corner. Guy's a legitimate 4-3 guy, 4-4 guy. So nice job in-state. Losing Whittington hurts, losing Sorrell hurts. Um, But overall, I think pretty, pretty solid job. And then you got to throw in Hunter Bryant, to me, special talent. Guy can play four or five different spots. He's a big physical tight end, H-back, put him in the backfield, have him do whatever he wants to do. Uh, The kid's a stud as well. So overall, I I think it was a pretty solid job by Washington.
1: Greg, so, you know, we know Greg Peterson can develop players and put guys in the league and all of that. Um, They made the playoff in 2016. Is this one of those cases where Husky fans can expect the 2018 class to be that much better because they were in the playoff? Or, or like is this one of those year delay things that we normally kind of see? Or what do you feel about them?
2: I, mean, I think they'll have a good 2018 class. I mean, they, they already, you know, they got to a good start. You know, Austin Osborne, um, Jacob Sermon is a big-time quarterback prospect. They lead for a couple other guys. You know, the thing is, you know, they're going to go into Southern in California and they're going to recruit, but – First choice is always going to be USC. You know, Stanford, UCLA, are, those are – I mean, it's going to be hard to always – always going to be hard to beat those guys out. You know, when Don James had it rolling again, You like I mentioned with Colorado, you had kind of a weaker at that time. You know, SC, UCLA, Oregon wasn't really significant. Um, they didn't have as much competition as they do now. Now it's kind of hard to come in. I mean, actually, it, it, you know, it'd be hard for Pete Carroll to do right now at SC just because there is so much more competition. You know, when Pete was rolling – you know, Cal is probably the second best team in the Pac 12. Now you have Stanford. Uh, now you have Washington. Now you have Oregon. Uh, you know, you have all these other teams that are competitive. Utah is coming in here. So it's, I think it's going to be hard for Washington to kind of be that perennial top 10, top 15 recruiting class, but I don't think they need to. Cause again, part of recruiting is, is developing and, and coaching these kids up and, and scheming. And, and those coaches and coach Peterson has a great job as far as developing guys, always has. He coaches them up. They have a great system. Uh, you know, as long as they have the, the quarterback that he that he wants that to, to run what he wants to do, uh, you know, I, I think they're always going to be very, very good. So I don't think you need to have a top 10 class every year for Washington to be good. I, I think I think they're they're in a spot right now or now it's just kind of just just keep filling needs every year. Just kind of keep filling needs and, and they're going to be fine.
1: Moving on, we're
0: going to UCLA Bruins. UCLA finished in the top 25 as well, with 18 commitments, uh, three top 100 kids, two five-stars, 3.61-star average, which is third in the Pac-12. Greg, so are you at all surprised that they were able to recruit as well as they did, given first all of the staff issues that UCLA had, and then second, the fact that they went four and eight?
2: Not really, because the thing with UCLA that I think you know, national, even local media understand is, you know, it's a pretty easy place to recruit to and you should be able to win there with how easy it is to recruit. And the fact that you mentioned they, they won four games last year and the losses they had, you know, some of them were close. Some of them are pretty ugly. They had all kinds of, you know, turmoil, not turmoil. That's the, that's a negative word. Just uh, turnover. That's the word with the coaching staff. And still to have a top 25 recruiting class just shows how really it is easy to, to win there and to get players. And so, you know, they they do have some issues. You know, I I think not signing a receiver or running back, um, that hurts, you know, especially when you look on the roster, they, you know, you don't see a, a Randy Moss or a, you know, an elite running back on the roster right now. So that wasn't really a place that you could say, oh, you know, we okay, we're okay. We, you know, we're good there right now. You probably need to bring in a difference maker at both those two positions. Offensive line, they need to upgrade. Getting, you know, the, am I going to butcher the name, Stefan Zabi Zabie? Zabie. Zabie. That was kind of a big deal getting him late. I mean, this is an elite kid who turned down Texas to come, you know, come to the West. I think Sean Sewards is a guy who they held on. Boise State is a school that I really respect as being able to evaluate guys. So able to flip him from Boise State, light offer from ASU. You know, I think you talk about UCLA, you have, you have to talk about Jalen Phillips and Darnay Holmes. These are two top ten players. Jalen Phillips was in the in the discussion. We sat around the room and with the national guys and tried to figure out who's number one. Jalen was in that discussion. I mean, he, I think this guy is a... Once a, once in a five year type of kid. I mean, he's six, 250 that can run and just plays with so much passion and energy and emotion. He's a leader and he can do so many different things on a football field, you know, and then keeping Darnay Holmes, who I don't say keep, but he never really committed early, but he had been a UCLA lean for about four years, came close to, to going elsewhere, but they were able to hold on to him and that, that DB class that they have with, with not just him, but with, you know, Quentin Lake and Jalen Shaw. Uh, Elijah Gates, Morrell, Osling, those are all really quality football players. So you know, despite the years, I think UCLA still end up pretty solid. Greg,
1: uh, you mentioned no wide receivers, running backs, but could Darnay Holmes? Could you see him playing offense in college? And I want to get your thoughts on Greg Rogers too, another guy, guy who haven't got a lot of talk about, but I mean, he's a top hundred guy.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I think Darnay can definitely play as some receiver. But you know, my only concern with with that is, you know, he—I don't—he's not a natural pass catcher. Um, he, he does fight the ball a little bit. Once once he gets the ball in his hands, he's electric, he's dynamic once he gets the ball in his hands, but he's not a guy who's, you know, I don't think he's going to be doing a lot of different, you know, different route trees. And, you know, you always hear people, you know, say, Hey, this guy can do both ways, but honestly, it's hard to do that. I mean, D'Anthony Thomas didn't even do that. You know, Adori did. Um, but you know, people always say they should, they should have used him more. I think it's hard. It's hard to play full time at both sides or even part-time because the game is just, it's, it's hard. It's a hard sport to play and to learn all the, all the plays and, and to do it. So yeah, I think it would be good to put him in the slot, have him return some punts and kicks, but I don't think he's your answer to the receiver problem.
1: And what about uh?
2: Ron? Oh, Greg's good? You know, he's, he's huge. I mean, he's a huge kid. Uh, he, you know, he's a, he's a guy, I think you can kind of plug and play just because the physicality of him, you know, some guys, you know, it's hard to come, come in and play in the interior right away. But, you know, I think, you know, similar to you know a boss Tagaloa last year, where you know Boss was so technically sound that he could play, but he wasn't you know big enough right away. Greg's big; I mean, he's probably three thirty, three twenty. Um, he'll need to get coached up. He's still you know a little bit raw technique wise, but I, I think there is some upside because of his size and his toughness and his physicality is, is all there.
0: All right, next up, Oregon Ducks. Oregon, another team that had a bad year on the field, finished. Really well in recruiting. Um, number seventeen class overall, twenty four commitments, two top one hundred kids. Um, seemed to close pretty well. I mean, um, getting the 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 solidification of Diomedor Lenoir. Uh, I don't even <gasps> know if now it's that right. Lenoir. <laughs> Lenoir.
2: I think it's Lenoir. Like
0: I like the solidification word. That was that's that's. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. You should. You should. His his commitment solidified. It was a solidification <laughs> of Diomedor Lenoir. Um, Who are your favorite guys in this class and how impressed are you with the job Willie Taggart um, and staff did uh, coming down the stretch here? Yeah, really impressed.
2: I mean, they're
0: not – were they not only able to keep,
2: you know, Lenore and Jalen Redd and and, uh, Popo Amave, you know, all really good players, able to keep those guys in the fold, but they were able to get guys like a Thomas Graham – wasn't even looking at Oregon. I mean, he took a visit, but they were way down the list. He had a home visit with Taggart, and all of a sudden, he commits to Oregon a week or two later. That's 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 big, right there, being able to do that. Uh, you know, um, Bruce Judson, you know, highly highly skilled athlete from Florida. You know, a guy who wasn't really looking at Oregon at all, able to go and, and grab him. You know, able to keep C.J. Verdell, who I think is a big time running back, really good looking kid. I could see him playing early, going and getting a, a, a George Moore, one of the top two or three JUCO, you know, O tackles in the country, expected to come in there and compete right away for a job. You know, Isaac Slade, Mount Altia, you know, a Nebraska, Colorado lean, you know, kind of looking a little, little bit at Oregon, but not much. Able to swing him, Austin Falu from Modern Day, who turned down, you know, Oklahoma and Texas, and you know, a real late riser, and, and then they flip Braxton Burmeister from Arizona. No, another kid who wasn't even looking at Oregon, but they were able to come in late. So, great job solidifying the guys that they already had committed. Didn't really lose anybody that I can think of. And then going out and adding, adding to those class, you know, with some difference makers. So, I think if you're an Oregon fan, you have to be really happy with it.
1: Craig, could you feel there's a different kind of recruiting style um, from when Taggart came on to what you've seen the last few years from Helfrich? It just seemed like they – it was like a tornado for them going on the road yeah,
2: recruiting. totally. Totally. No, the, the old staff, you know, I think one one of the things they sold was, hey, you know, we've all been here for a combined hundred years. You know, when you look at, you know, Gary Campbell and Don Pelham and Gray, well, Those guys have been there forever, and they had a lot of continuity. But I think sometimes you can almost get stale if you're in the same spot too long. And with the new staff, they came in, and, you know, the word you use, tornadoes, that's a really good description. They came in, and, man, they, they, they got some great recruiters, you know, whether it be you know, a Keith Hayward or a Joe Salavea or Mario Cristobal, um, you know, these guys are all well-known recruiters that are young and aggressive and they're grinders and they really get after it. And, you know, before you left, I mean, Jimmy Doherty, those are all young guys that seem to have a lot of passion and energy. And, and that's what the old staff probably was lacking just in terms of that passion and energy because they've been there for such a long time. So the new staff definitely came in with a whole different mindset, and they were extremely active and aggressive. I think moving forward, I think is going to do really, really well.
1: Okay, our uh, last team. USC Trojans.
0: All right, with far and away the best class in the Pac-12, number five overall, 24 commitments, seven top 100 guys, four or five stars. Uh, USC closed like crazy in this class and actually just finished just behind Stanford in average star ranking. Um a few months uh ago probably in the middle of season there was a lot of talk that USC was kind of recruiting a little bit slowly um maybe not you know targeting the same types of guys or not you know quite getting the or getting after the same types of guys what do you think was the biggest key for them closing so hard down the stretch um and landing such a big class was it the season or was it the the quality of the recruiting I think it was all that I think it was all that I think
2: number 1 you know the it's kind of funny with on-field success. A lot of times you can almost just feel the momentum in recruiting. just, the the two kind of can go, go together. And, you know, especially in Southern California, as they started to win. And again, like I mentioned with UCLA, I mean, USC is even easier to recruit to. It really, it's a school that really recruits itself. And so they started to generate a ton of buzz, both locally and nationally. And then the staff, you know, again, Clay Helton for being a head coach is a really good recruiter. I mean, he's, Hands-on, extremely hands-on. And then you have other, you know, Johnny Nansen's name is being mentioned all the time. And you had T. Martin, who's one of the very best, if not the best. And, you know, the support staff, you know, shoot, Gavin Morris, give him a ton of credit. And just top to bottom, you know, kids were were taking their trips and their visits and walking away and saying that was the best visit I took. You know, far and away, that was the best trip I took. And they were able to close on signing, going six for six on signing day. And the amazing thing was, you know, with, you know, Jones and Greg Johnson, Tofele, Austin Jackson, Joseph Lewis, um, I'm probably missing a sixth guy. But, you know, those guys, they're not even from other than, you know, Joseph and and Greg Johnson. Other guys aren't even from Southern California. I mean, you had a an Arizona, a Utah, and a Texas. And, and being able to close with those guys and another California player, Josh Falo, who we thought was an Oregon lean, you know, landing all six of those guys was, was just unbelievable. I and mean, that was Alabama-esque. You don't see too many teams able to do it the way the USC did it late. And, and then also the late flip. You know, Marlon tui Peloto, a top 50 guy. Isaiah out This kid's elite. I mean, this kid's a stud. as a safety. You know, and hold on to Bubba Bolden was big time. and Jack Sears is going to, you know, I think is the future at that program. You know, really, really good looking class overall. Like, Let me mention Stephen Carr, who, for me, probably the best running back to come out of Southern California in, in at least five years, if not, if not longer. I mean, this guy, you know, wasn't for Najee Harris. He, he'd be recognized as, uh, you know, maybe the top running back to come out of California in the last four or five years. I mean, he's special too. So just a great class, top to bottom.
1: Greg, the you mentioned Jack Sears. He's Jack already Sears enrolled. Um, do you, I mean, he obviously was Sam Darnold's backup at San Clemente High School. A lot of people are saying, yeah, he's going to be – Kind of take over for, for Sam Darnold when he gets to college. Do you, are there a lot of similarities between the games of Jack Sears and Sam Darnold that you've seen?
2: You know, I think there's more similarities in kind of their, their makeup. You know, physically, you know, Sam's, Sam's kind of a, a thicker, you know, stronger arm, tighter release. Um, but in terms of their, their makeup, they're intangibles. These are guys who don't care about how many offers they collected or how many Twitter followers they have. They are just, they, they're grinders, they work. They're gym rats. They're both like that. They just, they're all about football, and they're all about being, you know, a leader, and, and that's what their similarities are. And I think Jack is equally as athletic, and you watch some of the plays that he made late in games. And I think another similarity, Sam was a guy who was tough to, t- tough to bring down, tough to sack, you know, because he has that, you know, escapability in the pocket, which for me, nowadays, the way the game has changed, I wouldn't recruit a guy, a quarterback, if he couldn't move around in the pocket. I think defenses are just too good, too fast. You know, Sam was tough to bring down. Jack is very similar. You know, he he would always have this knack for escaping and making a big play and always seem to make a big play at the right time. I guess that's why they, they call it a big play. But, I mean, he would take off and, and, and go 70 yards for a touchdown, right right when momentum seemed to be swinging. I mean, they, they won a CF title by, by him just making plays with, with his legs. So I don't think he's as physical as Sam is from a throwing standpoint, but I think all the other things that make Sam good, you know, the you know, just the leadership, the intangibles, the the being coachable, Jack has that ability as well.
1: All right. Well, that's all our teams. Dave, do we have anything else for Greg, or do we have to let him go?
0: Um. Well, I wanted to ask him a couple of twenty eighteen questions. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Do you have do you have a few minutes, Greg? We don't want to like keep you too long. But
0: yeah, of course. For you okay. guys, I'm good. For for us, anything.
2: You know, talking about the Rams or, you know, Lakers, L.A. Kings, whatever you guys want. Whatever, whatever. State, Florida baseball, baby. Got a season coming up with Stanford coming up here pretty soon. <laughs>
0: Titans. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mike yeah. Trout.
1: Go Titans. Are they as good the How about,
2: the how about 2018
0: uh, college football recruiting? Jeez, does
2: anyone care about that? <laughs> no. Maybe. Well, I mean, has, has, well, I feel like this, has changed. these kids have changed so much. Where a kid could commit today, and I feel like most fans are like, "Okay, great." You know, talk talk to me three months from now when he's not not you know decommitted eighteen different times. I feel like everyone's become jaded.
0: But go ahead, Woody, ask whatever feel, you like. I feel like you've become jaded, Greg. <laughs> I feel like everyone else out there they're they're still basking in it. Still oh, in it. you they're think so? They're still loving it. I'm okay, still loving all this content. It has Dude, to, I, it has I changed a lot, to though, right? To have a job, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> But, Greg, it's changed a lot, right? Like, it's, it's really – we're usually not seeing guys switch this many times and twice on signing day.
2: Oh, yeah. I knew it. I mean, it, it's, the college coaches have changed as well. I mean, now it's not even joking. It's, it's offer now, evaluate later. And there was about – I think there was eight or seven or eight, not exaggerating, eighth graders got offered yesterday. Eighth graders. Before they even played a second of high school football, a bunch of these guys were, were, were getting offered. And are any of these offers committable, which is a new term of the last five years because of how recruiting is going, Uh, committable offers? No, they're absolutely not committable. No eighth grader is going to be able to be, uh, you know, that commitment. That's not going to be taken. But, again, that's just kind of how it is. Hey, offering a kid now is almost like saying, okay, we like you. It's what a a letter used to be. Now it's an offer. And a commitment almost means you're my leader right now, but we'll we'll see in a few months. I'm still taking all my trips. I'm still going to do my visits. I'm still – Engaged, but I'm gonna date other women. And nowadays, and I don't, I don't really think the early signing period is gonna do a whole lot to change that. because I just think I'll be, you'll be f- see fewer kids make commitments publicly, and the ones that do just won't sign. I'll just say, hey, I'm not gonna sign yet. I mean, there's no, it's not mandatory for these guys to sign if there's an early period in December. So I'm, I'm curious, but that's a nice little. Uh, we just went on on a tangent, didn't we? <laughs> who are, good. Your,
0: who are your, who are your 18 players, Woody? Ask, ask away. What what I wanna know is um so seven on seven season, has that started already? Oh yeah. Yes are you are you already out there watching guys?
2: You know what? Oh. I went the first weekend, there was a big seven on seven weekend, I went and watched the Lyman instead because ah, those crazy. are the real football players, baby. Those are the trench the trench guys.
0: So who's so who of like all right, so we, we I think a lot of people who are into this already know like Matt Corral and Jalen Hall and the guys on the West Coast, but who are some guys who impressed you just early on who maybe aren't quite as heralded yet? Hmm. That's a
2: good question. Um, how about a kid like a Julius Irving? I'm just okay. kidding. Well, cause we talked about him earlier. Um, <laughs> you know, honestly, my, my, my favorite player out West is one of my favorite names, Palaie Gautiote from Bishop Gorman. Right now, he's our number one guy out West. Um, one of the better linebackers I think I've ever seen come out of Gorman, already a national kid. He is a stud. Uh, it's a great receiver class. The, the class for receivers out west might be better than it was two years ago. That was the Michael Pittman, Javon McKinley, Tyler Bollins class. I think there's there's more dudes this year. And the receiver class, Amon Ross, St. Brown, right now our number one guy, But then you have, you know, Eric Fuller and Jaden Hall and Manny Allen, Marquis Spiker, Chase Williams, Austin Osborne, Devon Cooley. These guys are all, and I could go on and on and on. Kyle Phillips, Michael Wilson. It is a, it's 25 deep with kids that will have, you know, national offers. Um, so I really like the receiver class a lot out West. I think it's, it's again, one of the better ones. I think pretty good safety class. Uh, Ashari Crosswell, Steve Stevens, Stephen Blaylock, Jaden Woodby. Um, you know, you want to go out of state. You have a kid like Josiah Bradley from Seguero High School. We've already talked about that school quite a bit, but some really good looking safeties. And, you know, I, I think, you know, little, little bit down, you know, little bit down from offensive line standpoint, D tackle standpoint, as it was to this past year. But, uh, you know, overall, I, I think it's going to be pretty good for the, for the skill positions, but, you know, the receivers, the corners. Elijah Griffin, Isaac Taylor Stewart, uh, Kyler Gordon from Washington has to be mentioned. Um, bookie Radley, who's now at IMG, but I'm going to throw him out anyway, cause I know he's going to be heavily recruited by all the West coast schools, especially USC and UCLA. So, uh, you know, those are just a few of the guys. So a little bit lighter on linemen, but good on skill so far.
1: Greg, the, uh, Dave mentioned Matt Corral and there's some drama you know, surrounding him. He's apparently no longer at role that, uh, uh, you know, his high school, what, Where? at, at um, Oaks Christian. What, uh, what are you hearing about him?
2: Um, well, I have heard where he's going to probably enroll, but I can't say it. Oh, so okay. I will say, I will say on Tuesday, we should hear about that. Um, I don't know if it's a surprise or not, but, uh, you know, Matt's gifted for sure. He's, you know, really good quarterback and, you know, he kind of, kind of has some, some Brett far in him the way he plays i mean he's you know he's a gunslinger who just kind of doesn't care you know he'll go out there and sling the thing sidearm through three defend, defensive backs and and get the ball in there i mean he kind of has that reckless style so kind of need to rein that in a little bit but man you talk about a guy who can who can throw it who can run who is tough he'll hang in there and take a shot uh, so he he's gifted but i think tuesday we'll find out where we're at and you know uh, hopefully
0: things work out for him that's all i got
1: all right, well Greg, thanks so much for uh spending a little an hour of your day with us. You know, it's post signing yeah, day. Went
0: half hour.
2: Jeez, we went double. Yeah,
1: yeah, we we kind of lie it to you sometimes.
2: It was fun. It was good. <laughs> yeah, I had Don't worry fun. about it, Greg. Cool. Cool. Do we should do this every day? Twice a day? Maybe like an hour? Like, or maybe 2 hours on on good days? Probably not. Let's we, just make
0: it an 8-hour day. What do you <laughs> I mean, what does anybody have to do right now?
2: Yeah, who doesn't want to listen to us talk for an hour about, you know, Football players, Titans
1: baseball. We talk Titans Rams. baseball,
0: yeah. They have all kinds of stuff.
1: The Rams have well, a head coach that's like younger than all of us, which is kind of crazy.
0: Yeah,
2: but you know what? I have a feeling—not to use too much hyperbole—but I have a feeling he's going to end up probably the greatest coach of all time by the time he's through with the Rams. That's that's my I'm not going to put too much expectations, <laughs> but no. I think a chance he may be the greatest football coach we've ever seen in our lifetime. Wow. Okay. That's, I think, I think that's, there's that's, a chance. That's,
0: that's realistic.
2: LA sports are going to take off. I mean, Magic Johnson, I, you know, I keep hearing Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis are coming to the Lakers now, so we're going to probably win a bunch of, much more championships, you know, with, with basketball.
0: Yeah.
2: Oh, you know? UCLA you, you and USC are both going to make the playoff yeah. this year. Absolutely. And go to the Final Four. Right. And great in water polo. Or, you know, the other sports that they're both good at. <laughs> I mean, that's a guarantee at all times. Kings will win tight. the Cup. Mike Trout will probably win another you know another MVP because he can. Yeah.
1: Kings Justin
2: will win the Cup. the the National League because he's a Titan. He's the best player in the National League by far. And though I can't stand the Dodgers, Justin Turner is the greatest player in that league. Yeah. And I don't think it's close.
1: So if you want a realistic fan view of Los Angeles, follow Greg Biggins on Twitter, at Greg Biggins.
2: You're right there, baby.
1: He's very realistic, very like not 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 pie in the no sky hyperbole.
2: at all. Oh, I mean. no, no hyperbole, none. Just keeping it real. <laughs> yeah. Justin well. Turner, that that one was. Most of those things were jokes though. But Justin Turner, he really is the best player in the National League. Yeah. And Mike Trout's very much the best player in the American. Yeah, League. but or, I mean that goes without saying. But, yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: Well, Greg Biggins, right. thank you so much, man.
2: God bless you guys, Woody. Catch you. Love you. Talk to you guys later. All right,
1: you're the best, Greg. Thanks. Well, that was pretty cool, Dave. Having uh, Greg come on there and dropping his LA sports knowledge at the end, and he's a he's a crazy fan. He loves his sports.
0: Yeah, that was great. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> Hold on, I have my daughter crying <laughs> at me right now. Go ask mama, okay? You go ask mama. And we're back.
1: Yeah, you know what? I think I should just leave that part in there because that's just the I think.
0: Know. Do you want me to edit? No, get... no, no. Me, me, neglecting my child should definitely stay <laughs> up so that I can finish recording a podcast. <laughs> this is good. This is good. This will not warp her at all.
1: No. Did you do anything special for Valentine's Day, Dave?
0: Nothing. We have children. <laughs>
1: <coughs> really? Nothing.
0: I mean, yeah we we were home.
1: You got kids. We, we we didn't do a lot. My wife took me to a little wine thing, like a. We had some wine and chocolate like a couple days before. And then on Valentine's Day, I made homemade raviolis for, in a pesto sauce for the first time, which was kind of cool. I've never done that. Um That sounds good. It was pretty good. You know, I didn't do, like I have a pasta maker. I've made it before, uh, which is good. But I use the uh, wonton, like the wonton wrappers. So I made the filling and you kind of use the wonton wrappers. It's kind of pre-cut raviolis already. But I want to try to make like the full on, you know, flat pasta. You cut it up and stuff like that. I've never done that before, but. There's a good first step.
0: Well, good. Yeah. I'm huh? glad. That sounds good.
1: Valentine's Day talk. Um, well, we have some questions. We wanted Let's to Let's answer to. them. Yeah. Uh okay, I got this email today, and I don't know if it was for my USC podcast, but it was about the Pac-Twelve, so I thought I would read it for you, Dave. Uh Lloyd wrote it and he said, Has the Pac-Twelve been looking at Larry Scott? Because the Pac twelve TV deal is really Uh, it doesn't pay near as well as the SEC or the Big Ten. Uh, the ones doing really well have teamed up with ESPN or Fox Sports, and Larry Scott still wants to go it alone. I believe I read that the U.S. the, excuse me, the SEC schools got around $40 million each, and what are the PAC-12 schools getting? Not near that much, but Scott keeps getting his overpaid paycheck. Uh, that's Lloyd, not very happy with Larry Scott.
0: No, it doesn't sound like it. Um, I don't, I, I don't have any information about them looking at, I don't know, getting rid of him. I actually get the impression that, um, he's fairly secure. That's kind of the vibe I've gotten from pretty much everything, but I, I think it's a question of, he might move on at some point, but that was the, I mean, that was what I was hearing at the end of the last year. So I don't know if anything's changed. Have you heard anything different?
1: No, I mean, it's, it's always like the, the athletic directors I've heard aren't always real happy, but it's the presidents you have to kind of convince. Um, yeah. And if you, John Wilner does a great job covering this stuff. And really, I think by 2018, I think it was like $18 million gap for each school, like by, you know, next year or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's significant the, the revenue gap. And it, that is the problem that, that Larry Scott's saying, Hey, it's better that we own the whole network. Um, but really it's not paying off right now for the schools. There's a significant, uh, gap between what, big 10 schools sec schools get and what the pac-12 schools get and it's only getting wider um this gap and and really he's the highest paid commissioner uh of any conference the pac-12 network has more full-time employees than all the other you know networks so it's it like it's like the pac-12 has a lot more chiefs out there but the schools aren't seeing the same kind of benefit.
0: Yeah, I read somewhere that there is, I mean, the inherent benefit of owning the whole network is that you're not as um, uh swayed by the, the changing, you know, the subscriber prices that ESPN is constantly dealing with and all that stuff. Um, it doesn't affect you as much, but I don't know. I, I don't know enough about the economics of the whole thing. But yeah. He gets paid way too much money. He does. And, uh, <laughs> too many people at the Pac-12 get paid way too much money, and they spend too much money on like private jets and stupid things. So right, uh, and, and they, somebody should control the waste there. But yeah,
1: and they built a studio in San Francisco, like the most expensive real estate in the country, and you have all these out of work like producers <laughs> stuff here in L.A. That you could, you know, it's not that it's cheap in L.A., but it's cheaper than putting something where in San Francisco. So I don't know. That didn't make a lot of sense to me either.
0: No, never.
1: Um. Anthony wrote in uh, to our email address. He said, hey, Ryan and Dave, which do you consider the bigger surprise, Oregon having the 16th ranked class and UCLA the 21st ranked class after going 4-8, and eight, or Washington having the 23rd ranked class after making the playoff? And who has a better class, USC or Stanford? Thank you from Anthony.
0: Uh, I'll tackle it first if you want. So I would split up the first question. I would say the biggest surprise for me was Oregon having the 16th, or I think it was ended up 17th, but um, having the 17th ranked class among all three of those. Um, Washington, even at their peak peak, they're not typically recruiting at like a top five level. They're more like a top 15, top 10 type level. So being 23rd, you know, it's a little bit of a disappointment, but not super. I was expecting Oregon to drop off considerably, given it was kind of a two-year dive a little bit and Oregon historically is not a great recruiting power but this was I think one of their better classes I mean I I don't think it was out of line with what classes they had under Chip Kelly or Mark Helfrich before when they were doing really well so that was probably the most impressive for me UCLA even even coming off of a four and eight year 21 it's kind of and it's only when UCLA completely tanks like when they You know, hire Carl Durrell and Rick Neuheisel for a period of nine years that you really start to see them drop off into like the top 30s and 40s. But until that point, UCLA pretty much recruits like a top 30, top 25 team, even at its worst. Um, So getting 21st in this class, that doesn't surprise me a whole lot.
1: Yeah, I would agree with you on the first part of the question. I mean, Oregon being as high as they were, but like, you know, like Greg said, uh, Willie Tiger was like a tornado coming in there and they really made a splash. And uh, I think you you saw that in the number of players they were able to bring in and how they were ranked and stuff. So moving all the way up to sixteen or seventeen, uh, I think that was probably the biggest surprise. UCLA is going to, re- I mean, it's LA, unless like yeah, you know, like they've said, it's like a disaster. You're still going to bring in guys, and to bring in like a Jalen Phillips, uh, I mean, someone, I mean, the super studs. Um, so I think you, you have the top end of the class is really good, and they filled it out pretty well. So I mean, even on a, a down year, you're still going to be a top twenty five. Uh, recruiting class in Washington, same sort of thing. I thought they'd be a little higher. I thought they'd be top 20. Um, we'll see what, if that kind of moves on going forward, but they're, you know, it's, that's the way Chris Peterson does things. So I'm not, uh, too surprised by that. And then the second part was, do you think USC or Stanford's better? For me, I just think it's, they both did what they needed. Uh, I mean, having three of the top six players in the country is pretty ridiculous for Stanford and the guy that's not, you know, I love the, the tight end, you know, Colby that's, not even a, a five star right now. It just really brought in some high level talent, and uh, you know, just look at all those guys. You think they could all play? They didn't need a, a class of twenty five, and USC needed to bring in a whole bunch of guys too and close on them, and, and they did that. They needed defensive linemen. Uh, they you know they needed a, a good quarterback. They, so I think they got what they needed. So I don't know if you'd say one is better than the other. I think both schools did what they needed to do.
0: I'd say USC got a better class. I mean the the, the fact. They had basically the same average star ranking, but USCB landed what ten more guys. Um, I, I think that makes it a better class. I mean, quantity, especially in recruiting, has a quality all, all its own because evaluations aren't perfect. Um, so, yeah, Stanford got three top six guys, and that's phenomenal. Stanford has a great class, but landing twenty four guys versus fourteen is is pretty huge, and you know, to have them be of the quality that USC landed, I think, makes it obviously one of the one of the one of the best classes in the country and I think certainly the best class in the back of the world.
1: You know, it's funny. You look at recruiting and it's, it's signing days one of those times where everybody got better. Everyone's happy. You know, you could look at Oregon state and be like, yeah, we needed a, uh, you know, we got a sleeper linebacker you needed him and he's six, four and blah, blah, blah. I mean, you can go through that stuff. Uh, but for real, I think, I mean, if Stanford had to like kind of draw out, all right, this is how many rides we have. I mean, yeah. that's pretty much what you're going to get. Like, you're not going to do much better for what they needed and what they had available. I mean, it probably wouldn't get much better than that.
0: No, for sure. I mean, I think they landed exactly what they needed, and it's a great class. Um, but I think in terms of I, – I guess in terms of impact from the class, I think USC will probably get a little bit more out of this. Stanford will get out of that, even though both will get a lot out of their classes. Yeah,
1: and, you know, Obviously, USC's class is ranked a lot higher, but, yeah. you know, it's a, to me, it's a lot. You want to look at the needs and, you know, next year, if Stanford has a big, a big, bring in a big class, it would probably be ranked a lot higher if they have that kind of top end talent they brought in. Um, for sure. Then, uh, Earl, our last question is Earl, West LA. He said, you said something provocative, um, last week about the Pac 12 strength of schedule. And I wonder if you can clarify for me. I understand how, uh, Wazoo's early loss to, I believe it was Portland State hurt them. What I am not clear on is how SEC schools can play really bad non-conference opponents early in November and strength of schedule does not seem to hurt them. Uh, why doesn't that change the metric when other schools are playing competitive games in November? Why isn't that considered a negative? Earl and West LA.
0: So, uh, well, SEC teams don't typically lose to those non-conference opponents <laughs> Fair. in November. Um, so, I think if Washington State had beaten Portland State, we wouldn't be talking about the strength of schedule issue. Um, Washington State's made a habit of this, which is why we maybe pick on them a little bit more. Um, it was, I think it was actually, East, was it Eastern Washington this year? Yeah, I believe so. It was Eastern Washington this year and Portland State the previous year, but regardless, um, they've made a habit of it. Um, SEC schools don't typically. I mean, they had a few scares this year, I think, where they came very close to losing those games. I think there was a game against like Furman or something that some team almost lost but um, you know they're not typically losing those games in November, those body bag games. Um, so I, I think it does hurt them to a certain extent but if they keep winning it's not going to matter.
1: You know and I think there, there's it's changing a little bit Earl. I think that um, you saw the ACC was a better conference this year. You could argue the Big Ten. It's becoming more of a Alabama and the rest where, you know, in years past, you were like, you know, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, they should both be in the top three, you know, stuff like that. I, you're not seeing that as much anymore. You're kind of realizing like, okay, Alabama is really freaking good, but these other teams, you know, there's some good teams, there's some talent, but they're not so much. And, uh, so I don't, I, I do think they get hammered in November when that week comes around. And this year, I think LSU gets to play tennessee during that week because they had to like move games around from last from last year um with the hurricane or whatever it was so there'll be one like good game that weekend but that's always a fun weekend to go look at the sec schedule this week because it's really beautiful um but i think it's changed a little bit you're not getting the same kind of benefit of the doubt for the sec that you were in years past and i think clemson winning the championship certainly helps it's really more like an alabama and the, you know, 13 others, it's just, it's Alabama is so separated themselves. It's not the SEC as much anymore.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: At least in my opinion. Um, don't tell my wife I, that because she's a big Tennessee fan. So, yeah. All right. Well, Dave, you probably got to go take care of some rugrats and stuff, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Always. Okay.
1: Well, hey, thanks for uh, coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks to Greg. Greg was thanks great. Thanks to
0: Greg, really. Yeah. And I'm, I'm entitled. I'm entitled to be here.
1: Yeah. And thanks to all of our listeners. Um, we appreciate you. We thank you for sticking with us, even when we're a little sporadic on the episodes, but we'll try to do more. Now the spring ball's coming up, Dave. We got to do more.
0: We got to do it once a week.
1: All right. We'll do that. We'll, we'll set up Angie. We'll try to get some other people and stuff. So, um, that should be good. All right. Well, thanks. That's David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. We are the podcast of champions. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will talk to you next time.